On today's podcast, I'm going to be interviewing Teresa Wiedrich, and we're going to be talking about her new book, Homeschool Mama Self-Care, which will be launching this month. Now, my company, Canadian A Educational Resources, had the privilege of being the publisher of Teresa's book. We went through the process together, and Canadian A edited and formatted and did the cover design, and it was a really great learning experience for both of us, I think. Of course, Teresa did all the hard and brilliant work of writing this amazing book, and we just collaborated on the publication part. So listen in as Teresa and I talk about how to nurture the nurture and talk about having our own identity apart from that of being a homeschooling mother. Welcome to Canada Homeschools, the dose of inspiration and encouragement for Canadian homeschoolers. Canada Homeschools features interviews with homeschool group organizers, resource suppliers, and conversations with everyday homeschoolers just like you, all from a Canadian perspective. I'm your host, Rowan Atkinson. I'd like to thank you for joining me. Now let's get started. (laughs) In 400 meters... In 100 meters. You have reached your destination. I am so happy to welcome Teresa Wiedrich back to the Canada Homeschools podcast. Teresa is the cappuccino sipping mama of four self-directed learners in beautiful British Columbia. You can go back to our season one episode on homeschooling in British Columbia to learn more about Teresa and her homeschool journey. Teresa, welcome back. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. I was looking at my past episodes, and it's been two years almost exactly since you've been on this podcast. How are you? Has the time gone fast for you? Can't say it has. I think this year has been kind of slow. (laughs) Yeah, a lot of people are saying that. I would like to say that myself. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. You and I have been so busy since that interview, haven't we? Since then, you have started your own podcast, written a book that's about to launch, and we'll talk more about that shortly. And you've started coaching homeschool mamas and are creating courses. I have been very busy. I said I haven't hit a wall until last week. Last week, there was a day, I think it was a Wednesday or Thursday, where I'm like, I am so done with this pandemic. (laughs) So I think I'm doing pretty good. Middle of January, and I finally got to the place where I'm done. And I would say that we often get done around this time of year, like it actually is now February. So the February blahs are ready to kick in any moment. They sure are. Welcome to slump month. It's a whole different kind of slump month this year. It is, but... Let's talk about your podcast. What is it called? And what made you choose that topic for your podcast? Homeschool Mama Self-Care. And it's either turning our challenges 
into charms or it's nurturing the nurturer. I think I forget the rest of the, the tagline, but it's about helping homeschool moms deal with all the challenges that we have in our homeschool worlds. I think both of either of those taglines would be would be fine for what you're talking about. So what made you choose that topic? Because you would have had to narrow things down after being a homeschool mama for over a decade. You you would have a lot of topics that you could focus on for your podcast. So what made you choose homeschool mama self-care? Well, I was really looking back at at least solidly 10 years of writing on a blog and discovering that I had four focuses in homeschooling for my specific homeschool. One was homeschool and travel because we did a lot of traveling. And another one was homeschooling and homesteading because we spent um, a good chunk of our time as well building a homestead. And then I would say another one obviously is about homeschooling itself, um, self-directed learning, I would say, or some combination of unschooling slash self-directed learning or learning about learning, learning about my kids learning. And then the other one was homeschool mama self-care. And I came up with that term around a lot of writing that really was about me grappling with my challenging feelings as a homeschool mom, like overwhelm and doubt and perfectionism and feeling not good enough and you know etc sounds like I just decided that you know then I realized that that's the one thing probably that I felt most impassioned by at that moment is that these are the things that homeschool moms really are challenged by this is the thing that makes homeschooling difficult or have those days it's about how we're approaching the challenges and what we're doing about those challenges. And so that's why I decided to focus in that direction. Thank you. And so you've written a book (laughs) on this very important topic as well, which is about to launch into the wide world. Can you share with us your own personal story of overwhelm and how exactly you learned that self-care is really important for mamas? I would say that the story of overwhelm, I think, comes in so many different facets. There's so many different reasons to feel overwhelmed. Um, I just recently actually was doing a seminar that is on 19 tips to handle overwhelm. And the reason is because there are a lot of reasons we can feel overwhelmed. Um, But I actually think that first and foremost, for me, it's about boundaries, and that I don't have a strong or haven't had a strong sense of boundaries a strong sense of, I am also a human being as a homeschool mom. I'm also someone that has needs. It's not just my kids that I need to attend to. It's not just their education or their social world or, you know, helping them do the things they love to do or teaching them how to clean the kitchen or, you know, all the things that we do, but that I'm also another human being that has needs as well. And I figured that out, or I should say, I came to a head with that, when I decided that I wanted to send them to school, because I'd had enough. I was tired of the fighting or the, the bickering amongst the kids or the conflict with certain kids, or feeling like they weren't doing the things I wanted them to do. Why not? Why didn't they want to? Or why did I not like this anymore? And I remember thinking, I am going to put them on a bus And we're just going to send them to school and everything is going to be okay. 
And truth be told is that's not the only time I said it. But in that specific moment that I did say it, I was exasperated that January morning. It was January morning, as is most challenging periods, I think, of a homeschool family's existence. We often have these seasons that don't always coincide, but they certainly do coincide with this time of year where we feel just bored or done or exasperated or something. And it was a January morning. And a friend of mine had said to me at that time, check out a Brené Brown podcast or um, TEDx talk. And I couldn't figure out for the longest time what the translation was, because if you look at what she teaches, it's more about vulnerability and authenticity Um, a discussion on those things and encouraging vulnerability. But I remember um, just actually a week ago when I was interviewing someone else and she'd asked me that question as well, that it had to do with recognizing that I wasn't establishing boundaries. I didn't have boundaries about what I needed or time alone or quiet or a sense of separateness, even just like actually feeling like I was a separate person Besides the obvious things like, you know, exercising or eating the right things or finding the right time to sleep or, you know, all of those things. And it was at that point that I realized I need to do something for me. And I would not say that that was a magic bullet. It was just the moment that triggered a whole bunch of other moments that helped me realize that I need to need to start taking care of me as well. I think that's a very common thing for mothers in general. But it's also a particularly common struggle for homeschooling mothers because not we don't have much identity apart from what we're doing with our children. And so I think we're especially prone to not having boundaries, not having a sense of identity, uh, becoming who we are apart from the children. So I think it's really a common experience to a lot of homeschooling mothers. So I thank you for sharing that with us. I think a lot of people will be able to identify with what you've been talking about. Do you think that self-care is more important for homeschoolers than for people in other, and I put this in air quotes, professions? No, I don't actually. Um, I actually think, uh, you know, I'm married to a medical physician. I know people that work in the service industry. I look at both of those you know, storylines and I hear all the details of their experiences in those scenarios and they have their very unique, exasperating on repeat moments, especially this year. However, what we do know, what we can identify with as homeschool moms is that we have our charges or we have the people that we feel responsible for, also the people that we love, also the people that we feel like a close sense of um, well-being with or we feel a strong sense of well-being when they are well and those are the people that we are responsible for and that's a heavy responsibility or expectation on ourselves that when we are not actually separate from them on any routine basis that the expectations probably more defined by ourselves is actually very demanding so it's a constant state of demanding. So because of that, I think it's sometimes more difficult for us to separate ourselves from, you know, our kids or our work than it would be other professions. 
Yes, I agree with what you said. And I think too, so much is we feel depends upon us, how their successes turn out or don't turn out or if they're happy or if they're not happy. And if we, you and I have talked about before that, you know, some of us are super responsible people. And so then we take that even to the nth degree of how responsible we are for every choice that other people make in our home. And I remember having an epiphany when my, one of my children was, I'm trying not to give it away, when one of my children was at two and he or she were having a fit because they couldn't ride on some toy at the mall that required money and time. And so I just had an epiphany in that moment when they were having a fit that it wasn't me having the fit. And it was like almost a revelation because I was feeling all of the feelings of embarrassment and responsibility and exasperation and just being able to, in that moment, because of that epiphany, separate myself from my child and realize, you know, I don't even need to be embarrassed. She can be embarrassed. She's the one having the fit, but I'm, I'm not the one having the fit. Now, am I responsible to give her some guidance in that regard? Of course I was, and I did, but I didn't need to take it on myself, the choice that she was making. So I would say that that was- You figured that out a lot faster than I did it, I'll tell you that. Okay, that was my third child, though, (laughs) not my first. (laughs) I didn't figure that out when my third child was little. (laughs) But at the same yeah, time, no, that is a hard thing to learn. And I don't know. Yeah. I was going to say, sorry, I, we have bad internet and that's a theme on this podcast. It's the bad internet show with Rowan Atkinson. <laughs> but I would say <laughs> that I've had to be reminded of it like over time, many times, like at homeschool group when they didn't do their homework, you know, I could stress everyone out by making them cram it at the last minute or I could let them you know, walk in without their work done and they would have to take responsibility for it and it didn't need to reflect on me. So um, I would say I had to revisit it many times, but that first time that I really clued in was really a helpful epiphany for sure. And that's one of those boundaries I was talking about. It's like recognizing the separateness of me versus you. And I don't know about you, but there is no one in my world that has the potential to negatively represent me than my kids. And that is by far the most challenging thing to be aware of. And yet at the same time, when you do give them that freedom, they can learn better their mistakes. Then they're not so much fighting against you as much as they are recognizing they have their own things they need to deal with. Yes, I would agree that I have seen myself reflected both positively and negatively in our children. And I think I've received the most conviction about things I needed to work on in my attitude from seeing it reflected in my children. But you know, sometimes we see good things too. Like when our kids are offering someone a drink and being hospitable or being friendly and and including someone who may be sort of on the outside of the circle, whatever, then you see, okay, they, you know, they've also picked up a few good things along the way. I don't think we focus on that though, but maybe we need to. 
Maybe we need to. Yeah, I agree. Maybe that's part of the positive homeschool socialization we're providing our kids, right? Yes. But we need to provide each other with positive socialization as well, which I think your podcast does, and hopefully this one too, and these conversations and getting them out there. In a year where socialization is a real challenge for everybody, nobody has asked me that question. What about socialization? Because <laughs> everybody is asking that question. But I have to say, if homeschool moms want socialization, they should start a podcast. <laughs> yes. It's been a really fun way to engage other people. It really is. And even though we're providing content for others and we feel like we're giving them something good, I think we really benefit from the experience as podcast hosts as well. And um, and Absolutely. every podcast is different and every conversation is different. So I feel like I have some podcasts that I listen to. Of course, I listen to yours and I listen to some others. And I sometimes feel like I'm getting to know the people and that I'm kind of sitting in on a conversation with friends. And I was talking about that with uh, someone that's going to be coming up on this podcast um, in a few weeks, Annette. And we did get on some rabbit trails in our in our conversation because we've developed a friendship over the internet through this podcast, actually, and just um, having interviews and getting to know each other. You know, we did just talk about life a little bit that we didn't plan to. And we decided, you know what, let's leave it in because this is just like a conversation between friends and the listeners can just get in on the friend group and enjoy you know, being part of a social <laughs> experience. And um, I think it's kind of a neat thing about podcasting that you don't get on every, like reading a blog is great, but you don't necessarily get that same sense of being among friends that you do on a podcast. What do you think about that? That I was thinking about it today as I was editing a different episode and thinking, should I cut this certain section of the beginning aspect of the episode? And it wasn't like, we weren't saying anything really wildly weird, like, oh, I should, you know, I, I record in my closet. So I, I wasn't saying something like, oh, let me just grab that bra strap and put it over here. I wasn't doing anything really weird, but I was thinking, why would I cut that? Because that is like so natural and that's exactly what people want to hear. And I, I do really think that even though sometimes we bring as podcasters, um, being public in our lives, we bring our lives to a whole bunch of other people to hear. And they certainly can criticize it, which is a human nature to say, oh boy, I don't know if you should be watching The Bachelor, which by the way, I agree with you. I'm not sure I should be either. But um, but there are certain things that when you hear the outpouring of my heart over time, or you hear about how I live or how I'm processing things that really, I'm like your friend, you're connecting with me because I'm being real. And you're realizing that you really do have a connection with me. Because of the things that like I said, I grappled with or continue, by the way, grappling with as a homeschool mom. So I think being real, being authentic and keeping it real on the podcast definitely is useful this year. But I think every year. So I just noticed you being funny there. And then you were being 
kind of vulnerable. And it reminded me of your book, which is the topic of today's podcast, because in your book, you are really funny and you are really vulnerable and you are really helpful. And so it's a really good read and encouraging read. And so let's, let's chat about your book. Canada Homeschools podcast is brought to you by Headphone History, your complete Canadian elementary history curriculum. Headphone History comes with audio lessons, stories, and legends, and a reproducible workbook designed for the whole family. Go to headphonehistory.com. It's important for us to learn our history. So I have the privilege of having an advanced copy of your book in my hands. And I'm going to read the description on the back. You grapple with overwhelm, doubt, perfectionism, anger, boredom, and impatience. It's easy to overlook basic self-nurturing when faced with a steady stream of childhood needs. Learn how to reframe those uncomfortable feelings and develop the perspective that implementing self-care practices brings. Now, Teresa, when many of us think of self-care... And the title of your book is Homeschool Mama Self-Care, Nurturing the Nurturer. We think of practical things to do, like exercise or taking a vacation. And it looks like you get into emotions and thoughts, which I think you've already alluded to in this conversation in your book. Can you tell us about that? And can you tell us why self-care is more than just taking a bubble bath? Yeah, I I think of self-care as chocolate and Netflix and, you know, Miss Vicky's potato chips, although I'm not sure it's good for my brain, but I like eating them. Um, But bubble baths, all those things, I love all those things too. And I actually think that there is a, a time and a place for them because we need to be alone. We need to be separate from our kids and we need to have quiet at times, preferably before 11. And we definitely, we need to have our own sense of self, And so I think we need to explore the things that are our interests. And that is not always doing Lego builds or science experiments or teaching our child how to do cursive or, you know, you fill in the blank. So all of those things have their place, um, like bubble baths and Netflix. And frankly, this year, though, Netflix, I mean, (laughs) hasn't everybody taken that one on? It's just like a routine activity every day. But all of these things have their place. But I I really am talking about the bigger things, like I shared about grappling with certain uncomfortable feelings. I think that we can create a framework in our lives where we default to saying, hey, I feel uncomfortable in a certain area. Maybe I can unpack that a bit. Maybe I can actually sit with it, get comfortable with the uncomfortable get familiar with our emotional climate or my emotional climate and learn where there's certain points where we either get triggered or where we feel dissatisfied or um, discontent. I, I named my blog Capturing the Charm Life about 10, 12 years ago. And it was a guttural subconscious thing that I want a charmed life. And I think that we have a gravitational pull to being happy and wanting to be content and at peace. And we all know if we didn't learn it before this year, we learned it this year. It's not always the case. 
we will not always get what we want. Life is not always charmed. But I think because we're gravitationally pulled towards wanting to be at peace or at ease, then we do have to explore the stuff that's not, the stuff that's uncomfortable. And when we do that, it's uncomfortable. I mean, it's it just kind of cliche, but we naturally don't want to explore that because it's uncomfortable. We would rather find a way to not feel those feelings. But the majority of what I talk about in the book, or the thing that I think is the real meat of the book, is grappling with that stuff, creating a framework to addressing that stuff, which is, by the way, not a magic trick. It's not a magic bullet. There's no simplicity here, except that there's a process. And when we start engaging in the process, then we can actually unravel our mindsets or our perspective or the things that we were hurt by before that keep sending us down unhealthy approaches or paths and ways of thinking. And that right there, I think, has the biggest impact on our homeschool. I think so, too, because a lot of homeschooling is almost about relationships. It's like family on overdrive. It's not so much about the education that we're getting done um, or trying to get done some days. Um, But it's, yeah, it's relating to human beings and being a human being and growing as a person. And um, we all have we all have stuff to unpack As I'm glancing through the table Mm -hmm. of contents of your book, I see that you've covered pretty much all the bases with this book. So while it's important for your readers to know that you do get into dealing with uncomfortable feelings, you do get into mindset issues and encourage us to do the deep work um, of the heart and mind, but you also cover home organization, cooking, physical health, mental and emotional health, and there's so much. We touched on it a little bit, but one of the sections entitled Mama's Community, I just want to circle back again and reiterate the importance of community, and can you give us some ideas other than having a podcast for experiencing community during a pandemic? Ooh, that's a good question. I think I asked that question two days ago <laughs> to somebody else. So I'm not parroting what she said, though. I, I've i learned this in my life. But I don't know if it's because we did so much traveling. We did. I moved 19 times before I was 20. I had a lot of rupture in my family growing up. There wasn't a lot of consistency. And I've moved a lot since. We've done a lot of moving. And I've realized that, especially when I entered the homeschool world, I think I expected everybody was going to be homogenous, that everybody was going to think the same way, they'd have the same values, they would homeschool the same way, they would speak to their children the same way. And I'm like, so where's my group? Because they're not all the same. And what I, you know, what should have seemed obvious is that actually as homeschoolers, we're extremely independent, or we certainly will strengthen that independent bone or nerve or whatever over the long term, for sure. Uh, Because we're doing something that's not very mainstream, at least not in our part of the world. And so because of that, I think we, we come to realize that actually everybody is very independent. They're very different. And so I couldn't find that perfect group of people. 
that perfect group. But when I let that go, when I let the idea of the perfect connections and the perfect um, homeschool co-op or the perfect homeschool support group, I realized that actually everybody has something to offer. If you're really listening to people, everybody has something, some amazing story that will drop your jaw onto the ground. And, you know, if they really get real with you, you'll be in awe of the things that people will share with you. But, you know, you can make quick judgments and make assumptions that people don't have something to share with you. There's not a bit of wisdom there. Maybe they just live very superficially. And then all of a sudden they share something really, really amazing. And when you allow yourself to rub shoulders or bad choice of words, but allow yourself to share space of some sort, six feet apart with masks on, then in some way, you're able to create a connection with other people over the long term and really see them as they're God's people. They are created by God for a purpose. They're here for a reason. And they have something to share with you. And if you allow yourself to accept that, you can make friends with anybody. And I must tell you, I won't go into details because it's public, but I mean, um, there are so many stories that I've had with people that truly think opposite of how I think. And I've been amazed that, but they're beautiful human beings that genuinely love their children are trying to do best by their children. And they think radically differently than me. And yet I can commune with them when I allow myself to quote unquote rub shoulders with them. I wonder if we're going to lose that, actually, that rub shoulders. <laughs> There's so many things that we aren't doing these days. I hope not. I hope it's temporary. More than anything, I miss hugs. I don't know about you, but that's something I definitely miss. Yes, I'm just blessed that I still have two kids at home, and they're not adverse to hugging. They're my huggiest kids. Yes. So I I kind of get it that way. Yeah. Nice. Well, thank you, Teresa. That's good stuff. Can you share with us some of your plans for the launch of your book, Homeschool Mama Self-Care, Nurturing the Nurturer? And when will we be able to get it? And will it be available on Kindle as well as in paperback? Yeah, well, at the time of this recording, I'm trying to figure out how to do a giveaway for self-care. And I am very excited about this package. I actually would like this package. There is only one thing in that package that I get to have for the rest of my life. And it is a one night stay at my bed and breakfast. (laughs) So that's the one thing that that I get to experience. But I have all sorts of things in a self-care package that I'm excited to share with the community and it represents all the different aspects or um, I think it's February 17th that I'm going to officially launch the book and yes it's available in paperback and on Kindle <laughs> I'm like wait no I will have around the date of my launch February 17th I'm going to have live interviews with I think it's nine or 10 different people in different periods of those two weeks. And it's about their experiences of self-care and their world. So I'm really excited about that. I'll tell you that what is coming in the future is a course that's specifically called Homeschool Mama Retreat. And the intention is to give you the opportunity to actually learn how to put these practices into your real world so that you actually are experiencing 
a lot of this taking this nurturing the nurturer that you're actually learning how to do it in practical time that all sounds like so much fun i hope so this is the year to do it isn't it Yes, indeed. Especially if we can have a retreat in the comfort of our own home, in our closet. Yeah. Can we say that anymore? Because I think we're done. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go somewhere. I don't want to be at home anymore. How about you? Yes. As we were winding down our interview, Teresa has been so busy getting ready for the launch of this book that she needed to go and have some self-care. Before signing off, I'm going to read you a couple of reviews of the book. The first one is from Pat Fenner from BreakthroughHomeschooling.com. This is what she has to say about the book. Clearly, Teresa writes from years of valuable experience and so generously shares them with new homeschool mamas for their benefit. If you're trying to figure out how to get started, taking the stress out of your homeschool day, the section where she shares her own story of overwhelm is pure gold. You'll find solid, experience-tested examples from her own life on creating an environment that is conducive to real education. Also, take note of the authors she recommends as her influencers. If you have to pick a section to start somewhere, there it is. Another review is from Tamara Strijak, the academic dean of the Neufeld Institute, and she writes, I so appreciated your honesty, your humor, and your down-to-earth suggestions and ideas. Everything you wrote about felt doable, even with the practicalities of running a household. Such important messages and so well delivered. A must-read. Some other readers have said, It was like going on a retreat in the comfort of my own home. You really make me feel understood and validated. And yet another reviewer says, How did you know I needed every ounce of insight you have written? It's as if this book was written just for me. I am loving it. So thank you so much for listening to this conversation about homeschool mama self-care. And you can find links to Teresa's giveaway in the show notes for this episode, as well as links on how you can get the book. You can get it either from Teresa on her website, Capturing the Charmed Life, or on the Canada Homeschools website as well. And of course, it will be available on Amazon in both paperback and Kindle format. Now, Teresa actually interviewed me on the topic of self-care on her podcast, and she has very graciously shared the audio with me and given me permission to put it on Canada Homeschool. So so next week, I'll be being interviewed on the topic of self-care. Happy homeschooling, Canada. You too. Yeah, I've got this long-term aspiration to do stand-up, homeschool mom stand-up. I think you can pull it off eventually I'll figure it out give me some more time I might need a little wine (laughs) I have a monologue that I've done at a conference before is that right yeah it's called multitasking mom I actually have a podcast episode with me but it is funnier like in person so we can be yeah I look forward to that I'm yeah just a matter of time Thank you so much for listening. You can find helpful links and show notes for this episode at our website, canadahomeschools.com. Please share this podcast with your friends 
and leave a rating and positive review on your podcast provider. This will help others find their dose of inspiration and encouragement. Happy homeschooling, Canada! Hee <laughs> hee!